The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. Guns up, giddy up. Welcome to Fair to Stop, the podcast channel. Number one police podcast channel where police made society and culture. Tonight's show brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. Ghostbed's back on for another season, baby. So you can go to ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. Tonight's show is all about true crime, murder, and man. But we do four shows a week here on the on the Failure Style podcast channel. Kicking off the week with Tuesday night's night shift uh, with Andrea Uplate and myself. Followed up uh, on Thursday with Last Call the show that gives you something else to talk about other than dead babies and domestic violence. Thursday night, Com Center with Drew Breezy and Jonathan Bates breaking down all sorts of crazy 911 calls uh, from a dispatcher perspective. And then, of course, Friday, our flagship show, Breakdowns, where we break down a serious case uh, that's happening or has happened, uh, current or past. Uh, but for tonight, if you want to join us, if you want to support the show, all you have to do is head over to iTunes or Spotify, or wherever you download your favorite podcast at, and give us a five-star rating and review, please. That's all you got to do. We're not asking for your money. Just asking for your review and your rating. It helps us move up on the charts and makes our sponsors happy. That's what we're about here is making them as happy as we can. If you want to go the extra mile, though, you can become a paid subscriber by going on to a laptop or desktop computer, head over to our YouTube, and just become a Joy Paid member. There's lots of little perks. Those perks are getting just a little bit perkier uh, as as the years go by, as the seasons progress. We're getting a little bit better with things. Next uh, April, April, this coming April, April 12th, it's a Wednesday. We have the One More and I'm Out of Here podcast, Fair to Stop podcast meetup. It's in Clayton, North Carolina, just outside of Raleigh. Everybody's staying in the local hotel here. Go ahead and DM Failure to Stop. We'll give you that hotel information, and you can come and be a part of the meetup that will start at 5 p.m. at Instill Distilling Company for drinks and live music and a big first responder meetup. Get to meet everybody followed by at 8 o'clock p.m. heading over to the actual studio where there'll be free beverages and some, uh, I don't know, charcuterie boards, some cheeses, some snacks, and you can actually hang out with the host. We're going to do a little live presentation up on the stage. Other than that, that's all we got for housekeeping, unless you have some true crime updates for us, our uh, lovely and beautiful Andrea Uplate. Hey, y'all. Um, I do. Side note, do you remember the last meetup? Do you think that this time I'll put the salami and crackers in the ashtray? Well, Tina. If y'all ate those last time, <laughs> you're fine. The funny part was is when the owner of that cigar bar came over and removed all the salami from the ashtray and said, <laughs> this is an ashtray. And I said, I'm sorry, man. I can't take Tina anywhere. <laughs> I don't even know if you were <laughs> Tina yet. <laughs> we said we, said we needed you know, do you please have anything? It was Rocco's Cigar Bar and Lounge here in Wilmington, North Carolina. And we said, hey, Steve, you got anything we can put this uh, meat and cheeses in? And then on a side note, he went and got a, <laughs> a giant ashtray for communal cigars, I guess. I don't know. The thing was huge. And so it looked like it had a dip, like a bowl in the middle and stuff on the side. So I put all the cheese in the middle and the crackers and stuff. 
It was fine. You also looked nice. It looked nice, and it tasted okay. better with cigar ash. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know or joining in the first time, whenever Andrea has a little bit too much to drink, she becomes Tina. That is her Nashville redneck. Uh, That's just what you're calling. She becomes Tina. She acts just like any good old Tina would. You know, hey, Tina, put your tits away now, girl. We're your public now. Come on, Tina. Yeah. Don't put the salami in the ashtray. Damn it, Tina. We're oh, in public, girl. Come on now. You know. Um, <sighs> but anyway, is there any true crime news? I, I did yeah, hear yeah, yeah, yeah. through the grapevine some pretty interesting stuff, but I guess you're probably going to cover it. If not, I'll make you look stupid. So. Yeah, do, because I will tell you this week, um, we're going to obviously talk about the case we're covering tonight here in a moment, but that case, you'll see me, thankfully, most of us uh, listen to podcasts and don't watch, so the listeners won't necessarily know, but I will be referring to my notes a lot tonight because this was not the week for me to practice rogue memorization, and there are a lot of times and dates and saying that, I'm actually reading as well from the update, so let's start with Murdoch. We're going to continuously have Murdoch murder updates because the trial is ongoing. Um, so today wrapped up a day of trial for Alec Murdoch down there in South Carolina. Uh, the biggest thing right now, again, he was charged uh, most recently amongst many other things, but on trial currently for the murder of his wife and son. Uh, so we talked last week about how the, how he was wearing a white like clean, it, it looked clean, white button-down shirt at the scene of the crime when um, authorities got there. His son's head had been blown off, quite literally, with a shotgun, and his wife had been executed, uh, mainly shot in the back, with a rifle. This was a very, very bloody scene, and the man's wearing a white button-down shirt with nothing on it. So that already caused some alarm, some red flags. So now, as of today, we're talking about the fact that um, they collected his green cargo shorts, tennis shoes, and a white Hanes t-shirt. Uh, so this, this, uh, someone in the, that works the scene was talking about the fact that it, she said it smelled freshly laundered, which is not typical of clothing in the lab. Usually the clothing in the lab smells slightly musky when we get it. You've got to think guys, it's been in evidence bags. It's been kind of sealed away. It's under what conditions it, you know, was found in, but uh, you know, it smelled freshly laundered. So I feel like that already is a bit of a red flag, especially since he had already, his alibi was that he had been to visit his dying father and that's where he was when the murder took place. So in, in no time in his story, did he a lot for changing clothes or, or anything like that. Um, so it says uh, she noted small reddish brown stains on the t-shirt, but couldn't identify what these were from. Uh, they also located a raincoat that was recovered from the home. Um, in opening statements, Assistant Attorney General Creighton Waters said the inside of the raincoat was coated in gun residue. So uh, I'm sure that the defense will argue that he hunted in that or whatnot. Yeah, because I mean, it was a hunting cabin, right? But yeah, they hunting were actually at the hunting or... property where this happened. Right. So the last little piece to that was that uh, we talked about SLED a lot when we covered this case. That's the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division. Um, Krista Moore, who's the special agent with the crime scene unit there, testified uh, just yesterday that they executed a search warrant back in September of 2021, just a couple months after the murder, where they located a blue tarp-like raincoat on the third floor of the house. 
the search for this was triggered by a caregiver to Alex's mom who said that Alex came by one week after the double murder with a balled up blue tarp that appeared to have something inside it. Hmm. Uh, so we know that back in a couple months after the murder, they executed the search warrant for that specifically found what they were looking for. And my assumption at this point would be that they're, you know, running all the tests and, uh, or maybe they've already run them and we'll, we'll find out about that later on. But, um, so that was interesting with Murdoch. Did you have extra Murdoch before I go to the next update? No, nope. But okay. I do have an update, but we'll see if you hit it or not. Okay. Oh, I feel like I'm taking a quiz. Oh, you are. You are. And if you fail, <laughs> if you fail. Stop right there. So, um, so the next one, let's talk about uh, Delphi. There hasn't been a lot of, uh, you know, new stuff. Hey, Sarah, not a lot of new stuff with, with this case, particularly once Richard Allen, which was huge, but once he was arrested, we've not had a lot of groundbreaking stuff lately. Um, the only thing that we do know is that we know that he put himself on the bridge around the time, like he offered up the information that he was on the bridge around that same time. He's not confessed to killing the girls, um, Abby Williams and Libby German back in 2017 in Delphi, Indiana. Uh, but he did say that he was on the bridge around the same time that this happened. We have multiple witnesses that were walking that bridge that could put him there. That's how he got the name bridge guy, right? Because so many people referenced him. We know he was wearing jeans and that dark blue uh, Carhartt coat. Uh, his wife has since said, or we have finally found out that his wife has told authorities that he still, in fact, does have that jacket. My assumption would be that it's in the hands of authorities at this point. Um, so it says they're probably testing the jacket for DNA right now because someone saw a man matching his description covered in mud and blood at this scene. So that was interesting, uh, that in all this time, you know, he still got it. Like right. it, assuming with the assumption that he killed the girls, that's the jacket he was wearing that day that he still, uh, would have it. So we're going to move forward. Was your update about Delphi? Nope. Okay. So we're going to talk about Idaho, um, the Idaho yeah, yeah, college student. <laughs> the Idaho college student murders. Uh, nothing huge is new here, but we do know that we've talked about the gag order in this case. Uh, anyone listening, enlighten me. I'm not sure why it would be if I'm on the victim side of things. Why I would not be happy with the gag order, my assumption would be that there's a reason they're keeping things quiet and it's not to um, muddy the waters or do anything to mess up this case. In fact, case in point, we're going to talk about why you've got to be careful with that stuff when we talk about our case tonight. But um, the family of Kaylee Goncalves, they've been the most spoken out family of the four victims uh, this entire time, which is fine. But they're the ones who are kind of fighting back, and they call it an unusually restrictive gag order that's placed on a case. Uh, it's uh, Brian Kohlberger is the uh, accused, and it says that uh, on the 18th of January, the gag order was broadly expanded to also ban any attorneys representing survivors, witnesses, or the victim's family members from talking or writing about the case. Uh, so I'm, I'm not sure why, though. I don't know. I always try to look at it from the victim's family's point of view and what they might be upset about or different things, but I'm not sure why they wouldn't, you know, why that's a problem. 
I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's so many different. I could go down that rabbit hole forever, but yep. I mean, there's a million reasons why you put a gag order. I mean, sometimes it's just, no, not why they put it on there, but why, as a family member of the victim, you wouldn't you'd push back against that. That's my well, question. Oh, like why? Like, like why you don't want them to have the gag? Yeah. Order? I mean, I, I don't like being gagged. Uh -uh, uh -uh. What new what new updates did you have? Do you remember Dennis Perkins? Right before we jump into tonight's gruesome case. Do you remember Dennis Perkins? Dennis Perkins' breakdown is probably one of the... Ooh, ooh the cop and his I wife. I did, yes. The cop and his wife yes. that sexually molested cakes. 150 counts worth of uh, just terrible molestations of children. Mm. She was a teacher. He was a cop. Uh, he, wa he, he took a plea deal. Took a plea deal of 100 years. Uh, former sheriff's deputy in Louisiana was sentenced to 100 years in prison in exchange for a guilty plea in a case of sex crimes that stunned the community when details first came out in 2019. During a court hearing Tuesday, officials said that the plea agreement includes a stipulation that former Livingston Parish Deputy Dennis Perkins will not be eligible for appeal, probation, or parole. So he'll do the whole 100 years. Officials said that Perkins pleaded guilty to rape, sexual battery of children, video voyeurism, child pornography, and covering desserts in his own semen that would be later fed to children. Perkins reportedly cried uh, several times during the hearing and faced several of his victims as he pleaded guilty to the horrific, horrific crimes. Quotes, I'm sorry. It's been more than three years living in a box and it's not about me. I just want to make this statement. Jesus Christ has forgiven me and I'm grateful for that. And I hope and pray that anybody that is affected will also find forgiveness and healing through Jesus Christ. Go fuck yourself. Uh, before he made this statement, one of Perkins' victims took the stand and told Perkins she hopes he spends every day worrying about his own safety. You're absolutely not worth my time, the female victim said. Instead of protecting, you chose abuse. Have a nice life in prison. Uh, Perkins was set to go on trial on January 9th, but accepted the plea deal during the hearing Holding Livingston Parish Courthouse Tuesday, January 3rd. I don't know why he accepted a plea deal. Like, why not just take that to trial? You know, well, unless he thought he might get less than 100 years, I'm guessing. Uh, Perkins' former school teacher wife, Cynthia, was also charged in portions of the case and pleaded guilty last year. She was sentenced to 41 years and agreed to testify against her now ex-husband. She I needs don't, every bit as much as he did. She does because she is every bit as guilty. She was as manipulative and conniving. As she stole a cheerleading outfit which then he told her, told him on camera that he wanted him, him to blow his wad onto the outfit, which then she snuck back into the locker. So she the was child videoing put stuff. On this. this is like she a jizzling mess going on. Um, She's just as much uh, complicit in this. I it, She was. But all the feminists really rallied around her about that. You know, she was married to a narcissist. Uh, there's nothing that this bitch That's was. That's why feminists was, suck. You know, yeah. Right. Um, and she, you know, she was a school teacher, so he was signed to a protect. She was too. She's a protector as well. Um, and, and she chose to do that horrific abuse. So he's going to do a hundred years. I'm sure it's not going to be a very good hundred years. You know what they do to pedophiles, especially pedophiles that are fucking 12 year old kids. Um, and a lot of them. So I, I'm guessing he will have a very shitty time in prison. I don't like the whole Jesus Christ thing. Jesus Christ has forgiven me. It's not about me, but he said I and like every other word, I have been forgiven. I hope you forgive me uh, through so Jesus here's Christ. The deal, and I don't want to get into the theology of things. I do believe that Jesus forgives you. I'm not even sure. going to get into all that. However, if it were truly about Jesus, he would uh, shut the fuck up. He wouldn't have to say all that. Right. Exactly. For them. He would just he would yeah. just look at those people and just say, I am so sorry. I have nothing to say. I'm I sorry. I am so sorry. I 
I that's all I could say to you is I'm sorry. You wouldn't use Jesus as a way to try no, to get a lesser plea no, deal. No, 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 no. That's not real. And I don't I don't think it's real. And I don't think Jesus is really inside of his heart because if he was inside of his heart, he wouldn't have said it like that. So have fun burning in hell, fuck face, and uh have fun getting ass pounded and fuck me in the ass prison for the next hundred years. Uh which the case was very important to me because that case happened around the same time the Epstein thing was going around. And this was when I was new to podcasting and I was really, you know, we had a lot of assets on this team because we were on the a big network and we were able to grab his polygraph from several different agencies. We were able to see handwritten notes by boards that hired him. We were able to see disciplinary actions, emails, text messages. I was able to read all 150 counts of these heinous sex crimes with very little to no redactions. The only redactions were the child's names and their addresses. Everything else in gory detail was all right there. And it took us less than 10 days to obtain all of that information. Yet I could not get one thing from the Epstein uh, trial. And I would say, what is different between this guy and Epstein? If Epstein did all of this and there's it, 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 that case is redacted to death. You can't read anything about that because it's blank, 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 blank. So because he's a rich elite, all of his testimony gets redacted. But because this guy right. was a cop, you get everything in gory detail. Uh, yeah. Very strange. Well, it's also, you know, it's nice that it was around the same time, right? Right. Now we got something else to talk about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that too. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's funny that, you know, child exploited child's crimes or whatever, the one that, that busted this case. It's crazy how they can bust this case and wrap it up and seal the deal. But you got, you know, uh, another monster over in Florida that's rich and he gets away with it for, you know, years and years, and years. And frankly, has like every single celebrity on his list, which is why the list won't come out because everybody's on that motherfucker. So um, don't get me started on Epstein. I know tonight's about um, uh, tonight's about. Um, you know, the missing uh, Simone Barnes, who was missing, murdered. And unfortunately, the case is unsolved. And uh, but I think, you know, what I'm hoping tonight is that we solve it tonight. You never know. You never know who's listening to podcasts. It's all it's solved. Before. Just no one's been convicted. Right. Um, OK, well, I don't know anything about this story. So you're just going to have to teach me, you know, yes. teach me the ways. Uh, real quick, and then we will engage the chats at the end of the show. But Jay Galt's Grapes is, Grapes is saying why the hashtags go back a few shows. Man, you missed a missed them, but hashtag free John, hashtag free Andrea. It's all part of it now. You you just missed out. Also, yeah. you guys keep an eye out because it looks like Drew Breezy is giving away Com Center bookmarks, but the digital form of them. So uh, maybe you'll win a digital bookmark tonight from Drew in the chats. Uh, What's a digital bookmark? <laughs> it's just like one of those what are those things that people are buying now those uh bitcoin uh, no oh, that's the, past. That's, we're past that what's i don't i don't remember what the, the digital gifts that that are only gifts online or something oh like nfts nfts yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. is this like an nft bookmark i i am hoping to not even have to learn that before it's gone and we're on to the next thing we're gonna give away one of andrea's nft virtual digital bras so for all you weirdos yes. out there that like to DM her, if you would like to pay, I think, I think your digital bra, $150. Just, for I, a digital I was going to say like invisible. 10 grand. I was going to say <laughs> 10, 10 grand. I, the smell of your digital bra is, you know, it's I think disgusting. it's worth 10 K. I think it's worth And we're learning. K. There are weirdos out there. So <laughs> we are learning very quickly that all there right. are weirdos. Oh, so you know what I did? 10,000. You can get a virtual bra and you can sniff it. A virtual invisible, invisible. Yeah. Um, so, 
one thing I didn't touch on that's just interesting when we talked about uh, Brian Koberger, the uh, the one charged in the murder of the Idaho students. Real quick to not get into that too much, but his uh, instructor when he was taking uh, criminology in different classes like that, uh, his instructor was a woman that had for years and years studied serial killers, was pretty renowned in her field, a forensic psychologist, I believe, that had authored many, many dozens of books. She and Dennis Rader, the BTK killer, if you remember, actually uh, wrote a book together. Very informative, very interesting. We believe that that might be part of uh, some of his fascination, Koberger's fascination with serial killers. And in a recent interview, like I think, in the past few days, Dennis Rader, the BTK killer, if you mm-hmm. are not aware, the acronym is because it was for bind, torture, kill, the way he he's currently serving, I think, 10 consecutive uh, life sentences uh, for the rape and murder of a lot of these women. Um, he expressed remorse for Brian Koberger and sympathy and just saying that he knew what it was like to be for two months in isolation when he was in solitary and he can only imagine what Brian Koberger is going through in the moment. So thank you, BTK killer for that. But that's his uh, sympathy, you know, because it's not fun to be in solitary confinement after you've murdered multiple people. (laughs) After you murder people for no reason. I mean, damn, I can empathize with him. I don't want to empathize with him. I don't want to know how he feels right now. I just want him to go away forever. What is wrong with him? BTK is kind of what I call our friendship. She's my BTK, my bind, torture, kill friend. No, I thought you were going to make up a whole new acronym. No, this I'm putting you on the list. I'm making the list of weirdos, and now you're on it. Torturous. Hey, speaking of weirdos, do you ever, uh, you ever drive down the road and just like look at people and just be like, I wonder if what they would be like if they were a victim? No, a victim. All right, I've never done that either. <laughs> Go away. All right. This is an interesting story. Hey, I like your you shirt just, tonight. You ever just right? go and sit Go-way. outside the museum and just be like, man, bet you that'd make a good victim right there. That one going into the museum. That one. Okay, the Fed Museum today makes this more concerning. Actually, that um, reason I came up is because there was like a really creepy guy outside the museum when we were there today. And I said, man, you think he's just looking for a victim? I said that brought that up though. He might have just been homeless. There's a lot of homeless to think around that. Oh, I remember. Well, hipster or homeless, right? Like, is he hipster or is mm-hmm. he homeless? You know, is he hipster just hanging out at the no, museum because he wants to be smart or is he just homeless? You, know, you never that's know these question. days. You don't. Although we did see a woman at the, she must've been another, I don't know. I don't think they were homeschooled. Um, there was a lot of field trips at the museum today. But there was a woman that had matching hair color to all of her kids. She had like three kids, but they all had matching like candy cane striped red hair. Um, boys and girls, but the boys all had like, they all had like the almost like the Karen cut. It was extremely obnoxious and I felt like borderline child abuse. And these kids were like middle school aged. Oh, like between like like the youngest was probably fourth grade and the oldest was probably eighth grade. But they all had like candy cane striped reddish hair. They all had these like Karenish cuts. Uh, very, mm-hmm. very like we couldn't like we ended up because of them because we didn't want to be close to them. We ended up like going reverse through the dinosaur exhibit so that we could like get away from them because it was like so obnoxious we couldn't be at the museum with them. I do like that museum though. 
Very um, nice museum. Very nice. Yes. All right, guys. So tonight we're going to be talking about a girl named Felicia or Felicia uh, Simone Barnes. She was murdered in December of 2010 in Baltimore. Okay. This case is still considered unsolved because no one has been convicted, but not for lack of trying. So there's some unique details in this case. Um, there is some yucky stuff. I don't like to cover a lot of kids' stuff. Uh, Felicia was 16 years old. I am in this one because it kind of sheds light on a few other things that we can talk about, but it's not, uh, I don't prefer to on this show very much. But so we'll move forward. Uh, Felicia lived with her mother, Janice, in uh, Monroe, North Carolina. Her parents were not together. Felicia was a good student. So we're going to talk all about that. But just know that in the year 2000, she was around five years old, five or six. She met her father and half siblings at a family reunion. Her mother encouraged her to. She never wanted. Dad wasn't like, I don't know. He just wasn't present. Like when they separated, he went on about his business um, Daddy like it, didn't give affection. Seems yeah, it seems like a decent enough guy later on, but he just kind of wasn't present in her upbringing. But but he also wasn't resistant to her when she wanted to, uh, when she wanted to meet him and reach out. So she met dad and half siblings at a family reunion there in Baltimore again when she was like five or six years old, and they hit it off well. They were good buddies the week she was there. So just know that as a backstory moving forward to now that she's sixteen. So she was a great student, super intelligent. Uh, in fact, I think she skipped uh, third grade and went straight to fourth grade. Straight A really? student. She was. Mm -hmm. do, that? Hmm? do you think if she wasn't smart, though? Because I feel like all these stories, they always say like how smart everybody is. You think if she was dumb, they just not they just leave it out. Like She was real stupid. She got she was real dumb. Grade. She was the bitch was dumb as fuck. But yeah, skipping third grade is pretty impressive. I yeah, don't know that I've ever actually met a hard grade. That... That's the first hardest grade you get in elementary. Because right, you got yeah. multiplication tables. That's where you do your time. Well, just things go from being babied and coddled to like you're kind of in big little kid school now. You know, it's getting yeah. a little different. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, she skipped third grade into the fourth straight A student. Uh, she was on track to graduate a year early. In fact, at 16, at the time of her death, uh, she was about to turn 17. She was a senior in high school. Uh, she had big plans. She had a group. She had so sometimes uncharacteristic of these kids who are extremely um, intelligent. They have an I, IQ and, you know, intelligence quotient, their EQ, their emotional quotient isn't always there. Or maybe they don't have a big group of friends because their intelligence is such that it can make it a little difficult for them to have social um, cues and things like that, that you need to have these friends. But she did. She had a big group of friends uh, throughout all of her years of growing up. She was on her phone often on Facebook boyfriends, girlfriend, you know, whatever. She got a little bit older. She reached out to her half siblings again. They had kept in contact. Uh, and you know, they were, they were pretty close still. So her half siblings, uh, we're going to talk about Dina the most, but there are three of them. It's, uh, Dina, Kelly, and Brian. Uh, and she found them through Facebook and like, as she got a little older, so they kind of reconnect again. Uh, they hit it off. She goes up to Baltimore a time or two. And, but each time she would go, she would stay at Dina's apartment. Keep in mind, Dina at this point, I believe are, is, um, 26, 27 years old. So it's kind of, we've got like a 
10 year age gap. These are have siblings from her dad's prior relationship. So not something he's done since, since uh, Felicia was born. So they rekindled a relationship. Uh, the four got close quickly. She traveled to Baltimore to see them in 2008 a few times. And then here we are and it's 2010. Well, now she's asked her mother, uh, you know, hey, mom, I'd like to go around Christmas time and stay for a week or two at Dina's apartment. And Dina is a big, big proponent of this. She wants her to come. She wants them to hang out. And so her mom is hesitant. So mom has a talk. Mom's down here in North Carolina. She has a talk with Dina about saying, you know, uh, I want to make sure that there aren't, you know, men in and out of the home while Felicia is there. There can't be drugs. And I don't want like alcohol present. She's only 16. She kind of lays down the law. Again, she's hesitant, but Felicia is so excited. She wants to go. So, uh, and mom has never known Dina to be anything but straightforward and responsible. So she lets Felicia spread her wings a little bit and lets her go up to Baltimore for a week or two to hang out with her. I have siblings. So everything's going great at first. Um, Dina, uh, 27 years old. She was a pharmacy tech. Um, Let's see here. She was a pharmacy tech, but she was also, I think, in school to become a midwife. So she was a studious girl. uh, And she and Felicia are hitting it off. They're having a good time. They're going to lunch, getting their hair done, going shopping, all this kinds of stuff. So Felicia, or excuse me, Dina had a boyfriend named Michael. Michael Johnson is his name. Michael at the time, I think, is 26. So same age as uh, Dina. They've been together at this point for about a decade. Whoa. But uh-huh. But which that's kind of like right since they were 16, now they're 26. That I don't know. But um they're in the process of actually breaking it off. Now Michael lives with Dina. So living at that apartment are living in sand. Living in sand. So Dina, her boyfriend Michael, mm-hmm. and then another teen a teenager that's a, a male teenager that it depends on what it's never quite incredibly clear he's called michael's little brother and he's called michael's cousin (laughs) regardless it's a boy and he's a teenager and he lives there with dina and michael okay it's like everybody i said that's my cousin right who, who knows what but so when Felicia goes to stay with them that's who she's staying with is dina michael and then the he who shall not be named, I guess, this teenage boy. Um, and he really doesn't have a huge bearing in this case other than he can like testify to one certain timeline and that's kind of it. Then we don't really hear much more about him. Well, Michael and Dina are in the process of actually breaking up. They're breaking it off. We have rumors that Michael's got already got him a new girl. It's uh, causing a rift between he and Dina. And so that's kind of the situation that we're in now during this two week time that Felicia has come to hang out with them. So, um, yeah. So anyway, so he has plans to move out. So on Tuesday, December 28th, 2010, this is actually when Felicia winds up getting murdered. You guys, let's listen to what happens and you can tell me what you think. Mm -hmm. So on the morning of of Tuesday, December 28th, uh, it's 2010. It's kind of that, you know, think about it too. It, you know, that week, like December 28th is that time between Christmas and New Year's. You know, if you think about it, you like don't know what day it is. You're just kind of hanging out. A lot of people are still off work. 
You've eaten too much. Tired. Uh, that's kind of what's going on here. She's schlepping it there at the apartment, sleeping on the couch. Um, <clears throat> so that morning, Dina puts her head around the corner. She's got to go work her shift at the pharmacy. She sees that uh, Felicia is sleeping on the couch. She's still asleep that morning. It's 8.45. Uh, so she leaves to go to work at about 9 o'clock that morning. And forgive me for all of these times, but it makes a lot of sense. If you go back and read anything about this case later, uh, I know I do better to read things than just to listen, but it's interesting to see how this plays out. So at 9 o'clock in the morning, Michael comes to the apartment. He had not been home to pick up the teenager, the brother-cousin, uh, and take him to a different relative's home. So nine o'clock in the morning, Michael pulls up. We don't know right then. And we don't know right then if uh, Michael has gone in the apartment or not, or just pulls in to get him and the kid runs out. Regardless, he goes and drops him off at a different relative's home. Michael returns to the apartment at approximately 10 o'clock in the morning. He comes inside at this point. So Felicia had been sleeping last we know of for sure at 845. Uh, when Dina left. Now it's 10 o'clock. Michael's back in the apartment. Um, he's doing some laundry. He's beginning to move some of his things out. Like I said, he's moving out of the apartment at this point. We learn later that Dina didn't seem to realize that that was the day he planned to move out. Uh, so this was kind of news to her that that's what he said he was doing that day when he said I was moving my things out. Okay. Uh, and that's important. So, um, he starts moving things around there. At this time, Felicia woke and began to text Dina and her other half-sister, Kelly. She asked Kelly to pick her up after her shift. This is all very normal from what we found out when they've um, subpoenaed, like, text messages and court rec or phone records and things like that. Um, it was not unheard of. Felicia's kind of, you know, she doesn't have a job there. She's just there to hang out for a week or two, but they're much older than her, so they're all going to work, and she's kind of just on her own, you know, in the apartment. So she's texting them, asking them to come home early from work and hang out and get their hair done. Um, and all of these kinds of things. So she texts, she's texting Kelly, asking her this. She asked Kelly if she'd pick her up after her shift around 11 o'clock. Michael texted Dina asking evidently to get back together. Um, and at 11 08, Felicia texted Kelly to ask her to leave work early to come. Let's go get our hair done. One minute later, Felicia called Dina and said that she was home alone with Michael. Now, we find out later that Felicia's neighbor back home in North Carolina, a good friend of hers, later told her mother, told uh, Felicia's mother, once we found out that she was missing, that Felicia had told her that sometimes when she goes to Baltimore and stays at her sister Dina's house, the boyfriend Michael is there and he, quote, makes her feel uncomfortable. Now, the child who told Felicia's mother this, again, it's the neighbor, it's a friend, a confidant of Felicia's, she says it with tears in her eyes, a bit remorseful that maybe she hadn't said this sooner. But, you know, kids don't say, she's, she's not going to go out of her way to tell her mother that, right? Like, it's, her friend tells her that in confidence and you know, her mother, I don't know, very well may likely have questioned her at least, if not, not allowed her to go back, you know, if she'd have known something like that. Um, but anyway, so at 11.09, like I said, Felicia calls Dina, says she's home. She's alone there with Michael. Dina told Felicia to look at Facebook 
to see pictures of Michael's new girlfriend, new girlfriend. So Felicia made two Facebook posts at this time. Uh, they're both just innocuous. She says she's hanging at her sister's house with her sister's ex. Another one, she said she was hungry. That's her last Facebook post that she ever made. She then called Dina at 1138 and talked about booking a hair appointment sometime soon. At 12.23, Felicia sent her last text to Dina, um, and it was concerning the Facebook post with Michael and the girlfriend. All right, so we have Kelly. Again, remember, guys, Kelly and Dina are the half-sisters of Felicia. So Kelly lives there in Baltimore as well. Kelly called Felicia multiple times between 12.30 and 1.30. If you remember, she was supposed to leave work early to come pick Felicia up for them to hang out, as Felicia had asked. Um, Felicia's phone keeps going straight to voicemail. Uh, there's a picture of, yeah, that's a picture of Felicia on the screen. Uh, it was like a senior portrait, pretty girl, big smile. Um, but since Kelly continued to call Felicia and it kept going straight to voicemail, she just kind of assumed that, okay, plans are off. I'm not going to leave work early and pick her up. She didn't think much about it. So... She thought she thought the plans had changed because she was supposed to have already been there to pick her up within the next like 30 minutes. So now we're moving forward. It's about 1.04 p.m. Now Dina calls Michael. He responds uh, just via text. He won't answer her call. He said that he was looking for a charger and he'd call her a little bit later. He said that Felicia was asleep on the couch and looked like her phone had been ringing. So that's at 1.04. It looks like yeah. Felicia's asleep on the couch at 1.04. Wow. We know that from 1230 to 130, Kelly was calling her and she wasn't answering. Okay, so maybe she was asleep. But at 1223, Felicia sent a text to Dina. And now it's 104. So this isn't this isn't sounding, I don't know, super strong at this point. Um, Long time to be in bed. Like, who the fuck is sleeping? Well, she's on the couch time? and she's on the couch sleeping. And so she's on the couch sleeping, presumably while he's moving things around, trying to move to out of one the o'clock in the afternoon. No. Remember she woke up and she's texting. Right. At 1220. Right. 1223. She sent her last text to the sister. Right. And now it's one Oh four. And he's saying she's asleep, meaning like she's taking a nap on the couch, but this is like you. 20 minutes later, 30 minutes later, after she'd been texting all morning about wanting to, she's hungry. She's going to go you. get her hair done. You know, it doesn't sound you. right. So, uh, Michael reportedly left the apartment at 1.30. Again, keep in mind, Dina's calling him and he's not answering. He just would, he would respond by a text saying that he can't find his charger and he'll call her later. So no one can get in touch with Felicia. Her phone is either broken or dead because it's going straight to voicemail. And then Michael's not answering mm. at this moment. All right. So at 1.30, he stated she was still sleeping but he said that she woke, like she kind of stirred when he was leaving and said she was going to get up and get something to eat. Okay, we can explain it away. Maybe she was laying there and dozed off and whatever. So that's what he's saying happened. At 3.08 p.m., Kelly contacted Dina, the sister's calling the other sister. She's worried now because it's just not like Felicia to not answer her phone. She's a 16-year-old girl with nothing to entertain her at this moment. Um except for her phone, right? So they're not used to it going to voicemail, not used to her not calling back, texting back, something. So Dina said that she may still be asleep because that's what Michael had said. Around this time, little brother cousin uh, returns to the apartment and between 4.50, sorry guys, I know this is really dry with all these times. We're about to get past all this point, but at between 4.50 and 5.10 p.m., 
Michael comes back to the apartment. So he left at 1.30. He gets back at, let's say, around 5 p.m. Uh, we don't know where he was. Uh, he's been gone for that amount of time. He says that the door was unlocked and that music was turned all the way up when he gets there. Uh, it's unclear whether he actually entered the apartment at this time or that the brother came out. Dina leaves work and comes home around 6 p.m. Felicia's not home and Dina panicked. She realizes that she's not talked to her for hours. And I think that she thought once she got home, if she just saw her, it was fine. But when she gets home and Dina and Felicia is not there, keep in mind, Felicia's from a smaller town in North Carolina. She's in the big city in Baltimore. Like they are downtown Baltimore. And um, it's cold outside. It's December. She's not a city girl. She's not city savvy. Um, so Dina's getting concerned. At 6.11, so 11 minutes later, she calls Michael. He still isn't answering his phone. Finally, about an hour later at 7, so she first called him. Excuse me, but I want to make sure I'm telling you this uh, correctly. She first calls him at 1.04, Dina does, calling Michael at 1.04 to inquire about Felicia, and that's when he said he was looking for a charger and didn't answer her phone. He doesn't. She calls him multiple times. He finally calls her back at 7, about 7 o'clock that night, so about six hours later. Uh, he returned her call. He said that he had last seen Felicia sleeping at 1.30 in the afternoon. And at 7.30 p.m., so about an hour and a half after she got home, she went on and alerted the police that her sister was missing. She's very concerned at this point. Um, initially, no foul play was considered. This is one where authorities were, you know, saying things like she's a teenager. She could have just run off. She could have done anything. I know you've mentioned that that happens often um, oh, yeah. when families are looking for somebody and, you know, they're worried, but authorities say that's not the case. Well, I mean, yeah, it's happened so often, every single day. I mean, if you treated every single disappeared person for, for an hour or two as a missing person case, you didn't get any work done. Yeah. I mean, every, I mean, I mean, every single day somebody calls, you know, so-and-so didn't come home or so-and-so blah, blah, blah. And they always say the same thing. This isn't like them. This isn't, right. this is completely out of character. I don't know. I mean, I even had an incident out with my ex-wife. Uh, I was married once before and my military life. Uh, I've now been married for 13 years, but, um, but in my prior life, I, I was married once. Most people don't know that. She um, was a peach. <laughs> she was. That's right. You knew her very well. Um, but one time she went missing and I was like freaking out. Like I was, and I was like telling all the cops, I was like, dude, this isn't like her. Like I've never, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, she went to go get her side piece and she fell asleep with the dude. So, you know, um, but I could, you know, I was swearing like to, to law enforcement people that like, yo, like there's something wrong here. There's, you're not getting me, you know? So, you know, even as right. adamant as I was, it was just a bullshit, you know, thing. And I think that a lot of cops are like, all right, how old is she? Okay. So she's 16 right. years old, you know? Okay. And it's Christmas holiday. And she said she was uh, hungry. Maybe she, she went to get she's something. Hungry. You know, like we're not going to do this missing persons whole thing you know, right this second, like, let's give it a couple hours. Doesn't mean that the cops aren't looking. Doesn't mean that the cops aren't trying to get a hold of it. They're just not going to do like an Amber alert. Right. Um, you know, and I, it's, I, I think like every case is kind of different, you know, so I'm like, sure. I think every, every case is different I, for, for myself, you know, um, you know, I would go and probably give it like two or three hour effort, like a full on effort, which is what they're going to do with it. They're not going to do any more or less with an Amber alert 
than what I'm already doing. I'm going to go to the hospital, check, see if he's been in the hospital. I'm going to go to jail, see if he's been checked into the jail. I'm going to go to like repo lots, see if somebody's trying to find their car because it got repoed with their right. phone inside of it. Like I'm going to cover all my bases before I go. All right, look, I've done everything I can do. Can't find this motherfucker. Let's do an Amber Alert. Right. So that's kind of what's going on here. They're not too concerned. No foul play plays initially considered. Like I said, uh, she was wearing slippers. She didn't take any money with her. Her phone was either off or broken. The search, though, does grow quickly. It doesn't take long for uh, more authorities to get involved and it start to look a little more serious in nature. FBI becomes involved rather quickly. Uh, start using helicopters with um, the, you know, like the thermo, the heat seeking right. uh, technology. They're doing that. Pretty soon, they start believing this is, in fact, foul play. So they search nearby Lincoln Park. Anybody listen to Serial? Adnan Saeed. Uh, oh. Lincoln Park, that's known for an incredible amount of dead bodies <laughs> or people have gone missing or dead bodies being recovered there. It sounds like a horrible, horrible place to be. Uh, they searched like, nearby. We should start a band. We call it Lincoln Park. Huh. Start a band. It's interesting. We call it Lincoln Park. It'd be awesome, dude. Kind of be I like... Kind of be like techno industrial hardcore, like all mixed together, maybe a little rap. That sounds so we awful. Begin an Asian DJ. That sounds the whole all of it's bad. You don't like Lincoln Park? Yeah, but like techno. What did you just say? Techno. I mean, that's what it is, right? Like it's like it's like industrial hard rock with a little bit of techno, and then they got M. Shinoda doing some rap. I don't know. Like, what kind of music no, is like Lincoln Park? I like Lincoln Park, all right. I don't know. Industrial. When I was thinking about our band, and when you said I've techno industrial, I can feel you there. I stop before YouTube kicks us off for playing copyrighted music. That's not close enough. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't be full like <laughs> So, beer like, dude, is he back? Is Chester back from the dead? Was he just singing? No. On Nobody's saying not. that. Nobody's saying it at all. All right. So they reached, they, they did search nearby Lincoln Park, like I said, to no avail. Uh, the father now is organizing searches. Uh, you know, we hear this time and time again. He doesn't feel like the authorities are doing what they should. Um, and so he takes it upon himself to essentially interview people who have been in and out of the apartment and to start uh, his own search party, which... I understand why you want to do it. You've got to be careful, though, because you get 30 people stomping through places and now you've got crime scenes being disrupted. And ugh, just yeah, but I'll tell you right now, like, dude, like one of my 5000 kids go missing. I'm fucking of course, of course. I'm looking everywhere, dude. I don't need your dogs. I don't need you don't even need to hire a search party because you have enough other kids to make their own search party. (laughs) <laughs> the one dude I people say that like, you're making like a baseball team you've just you've just enacted your own search party yeah that's it um yeah we're gonna like and oh and i'm knocking on every house door and i'm searching your house and if you don't let me go into your house then you're the one that kidnapped it and you're the Ooh, you're the bad guy look so. you don't even know it but you're touching on something here that we're going to talk about i like, it. I like it when yep. i'm touching on it and yep. i don't know i'm touching on it yep you know? and then it just yep. happens yep. yeah i've done that before Surprise. I'm keeping this a clean show, but I wanted to say like the opposite of what you just said. So um, 
the father organized searches and a friend back home. Uh, this is what I was talking about a minute ago, how the little girl back home had told Felicia's mother that when she's there, sometimes Michael made her feel uncomfortable. She also disclosed to this friend who has then told mother that when she is there in Baltimore, she being Felicia at 16 years old, she was allowed to sometimes drink vodka and smoke marijuana. Oh, um, so Janice got word of this. She gets to Baltimore and immediately confronts Dina about this information. Because if you remember, she was hesitant to let Felicia go to start with. And <clears throat> she she really trusted that Dina was doing right by Felicia and didn't expect, uh, didn't expect to hear this information. So when she first confronts Dina with this information... Dina said that she uh, that this had occasionally happened, but basically Felicia was like, she was a good girl, but yes, sometimes she'd let her partake in some things. Later, though, she denied that she ever said this. Um, so this is all kind of interesting. Uh, we later have some pictures that have come forward at the time. If you remember, MySpace was still a thing. So on MySpace, there were some pictures of parties and things like that that happened at this house. Uh, it was, we find out almost known as kind of like, uh, like a flop house, like a, where like a lot of local college students oh, would come and, um, yeah, like the college students would come, they party, pass out there, leave yeah. and go about their way. So not like crime in the sense of like, you know, like, you know, it's like a trap house or something like that, but it's just like the, these kids are partying, they're drinking, they're staying up at night. Um, but I say kids, like Dina and Michael are in their mid to late twenties. So these aren't 18 year olds, you know? Um, but they're, but they're also doing this with a 16 year old in tow, much less the brother cousin. That's also a teen that lives there. Right. So we have those pictures that come through, like I said, from MySpace um, about those parties that went on in that apartment. So this was all in December, uh, late December. They can't find her. They've, like I said, FBI has gotten involved. Mass searches have happened. It, it, this is going on and on and on. Well, this goes on and on and on for about uh, almost four months because it wasn't until April, um, April 9th of 2011 that we get, uh, she was actually found the next day on the 10th, but on April 9th of 2011, Four months later, she uh, police cordoned off parts of the uh, guys. Pardon me, because I'm going to butcher this name. The Patapsco Valley State Park um, on a new search. So they've kind of re, re, you know, amped up their efforts. Not sure what tips they might have gotten, but they have a big search there in this state park. Uh, over 200 officers search. At 12:30, a volunteer stumbled upon a partially decomposed body. Um. Upon further testing, realized it was actually a male. Uh, this is interesting. We have two bodies are found before Felicia's body is found. Oh, my God, dude. Fuck Baltimore, right? dude. Right? Good Lord. So uh, it was a male. Eventually, his ID as 55-year-old John H. George. Uh, they say he died of natural causes. He was in kind of a makeshift tent camp situation mm -hmm. he was estranged from his wife who by the way didn't even know he was missing so maybe that's why they were estranged um she 
<laughs> It'd be like you. you. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't know if you were missing until like I got on night Tuesday night at seven fifty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck happened, to Andrea. <laughs> You'd be so sad. Um. Then again, the next day, over five hundred people. Uh, we have people are searching we've got dogs we've got atvs all the things so they are really ramping up the efforts again all right so on i said april 10th i meant april 20th i apologize on april 20th uh we have a big search on the uh susquehanna i think susquehanna river so these boats way now down yonder on the susquehanna, susquhanna man way it's harder yonder. than a hoochie coochie up yonder on the Susquehanna. I don't want to ever go Thank there. God Yankees didn't invent country music because that's the kind of shit that they would be. Like people in the North don't have like Chattahoochees. They have Susquehannas. And they're on the Susquehanna. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we have boats now searching because we're on the river. Okay. So two bodies are found three to four miles from each other on the Susquehanna River. Okay. So autopsy Perfect was performed Baltimore by the way it's sounding that way at this point autopsy was performed on both the first body was determined to be a black male approximately 6 4 240 pounds like this is Damn. not a tiny dude that's a big old dude yeah so uh he is eventually id'd as 53 year old daryl harper this is actually pretty sad he'd been missing for a few days um and his wife did know he was missing in fact she had called him in five days prior as a missing person uh and he had exhibited uh suicidal tendencies and expressed that he was uh wanting to end his life so oh. we, we don't talk about how it, nothing turns out how he's i think that's left up to assumption but it was not foul right. play uh and the second body they found about three miles down from the river uh was id'd by a dental records and by a rose tattoo on the lower leg as Felicia. Oh, so she has a tattoo a, at 16? Yeah. I know. Trashy, dude. Don't say that. Getting a tattoo at 16 is pretty trashy. That's not, you can't call the girl trashy. She she was I said that's trashy. Okay, be careful. Because she's trashy. with us and she was super smart and she ran track. She, so what if she wanted a rose tattoo? So uh, at 16, can you please no. exhibit a jury. Please raise your left under forearm and show us what you've got. Yeah, but I got that when I was 18, and that That's was even stupid. worse. You should have made a better choice, exactly. So, I would have made a well, think about the truth. I would have made it 16. But it wasn't way worse. You should not let your kid get a fucking tattoo at 16. That's trashy. Who said that the mom let her do it? I'm just saying. I mean, somebody had a letter. Somebody had a sign for it. You can't just waltz in there and get a tattoo. Show it or quit talking. Show your arm or stop. No. I have a sea turtle tattoo on my arm. But I was 18. And I get to live this. with that the rest of my life. The year 2000. Sea turtle in. Look, don't let your kids get tattoos before they're 18. Nobody said that the mom let her. A friend could have signed off. Who knows? Well, I mean, her it's, it's a trashy, it's a trashy thing, especially a rose tattoo. Come on. That's but little girls do stupid stuff. It's not okay. That's not, well, that's not that's the take stupid. the takeaway. It's trashy. Yes. I'm allowed to say it's trashy. It's trashy. Getting a All rose right, tattoo. So, it's trashy. Okay. So on 
Um, on April 25th, this is five days after Felicia's body was found. All right. Michael Johnson was charged and arrested. Michael being the boyfriend of Dina. Uh, he is charged with first degree murder in the death of Felicia. There were reports from a neighbor that Michael had been seen sweating and pulling a tote up the stairs out of the apartment. So this apartment was a basement level apartment. So you did take stairs to come up and out okay. onto the sidewalk. All right. So when he says a tote, what they're referring to is a 35 gallon uh, bin. Think of like the Sterilite container. You might put your Christmas decorations in or off season clothing in with the lid, right, the plastic right. bin with lid. Um, the bin. bin um, the bed that, that he used the tub clothing and electrical equipment first. Mm-hmm. Then when some more time went on, he said that he was actually using that bin to move weights and very heavy equipment. I find that interesting. Um, <clears throat> at this point, investigators have found uh, greater than 500 phone calls and texts exchanged between Michael and Felicia. That's not good. Wait, what? How many? Over 500. He's 26. Why is she texting him over 500 times? Why is he texting her over 500 times? That's what I'm saying. I can tell you as a 16-year-old girl, he's pouring pouring attention into her. Whatever. He knows better. He's That's why he's leaving. What's her name? No, he has a new girlfriend. But Felicia had been starting to consistently stay there a little more often. So in June of 2012, he pled not guilty. Um, She's not that smart. That's not true. You you have got to stop. Did you make all the best choices always from the minute you were born? No, but I didn't fuck up so bad that I got murdered for it. Stop. So during the first trial, um, this is small print, but I want to read. This is an interesting, uh, it's an exoneration website, and it's going to talk about- I mean, about you don't his- think it's weird? You don't think it's pretty fucked up that she's staying at a party house at 16? She's got a tattoo at 16 and now she's like the totality of it all. And then she's texting her sister's boyfriend. Who's 26 over 500 times. That's a lot of bad decisions. She was also Mm -hmm. making a lot of good decisions. Like you, that's what I'm saying. The totality of it all. It washes out. She was also skipping grades, keeping up her grades. She didn't skip a grade since third grade. She skipped third grade. Okay. Okay. And then she was accepted into a private academy in seventh grade. And then she was already accepted into college at 16 as a senior in high school. Yeah. But they just give that shit out these days. Okay. As long as you're going to pay the college. And they didn't. Not true. They don't don't accept you if you have a tattoo at 16. Not at 16. Listen, I'm trying to keep this serious. I'm telling you something. I'm being serious. I so think it's pretty is- fucked up that, that uh, the 26-year-old homeboy and this little girl are. Uh... So there are some bad decisions, guys. I did agree. They not, did the they chats. not read the text? Did, they, did that not come out in court? Were they it not able it, to subpoena those? And yeah, we weren't, able, we weren't able to hear what they said. So there it probably wasn't enough. A lot more than 500. It wasn't enough that they could charge him with anything? Well, we're going to talk about that. Okay. So for the first trial... Um, the doctor who conducted the autopsy 
testified that the cause of death was asphyxia. So I've actually had this conversation with a couple people just over this past weekend about the fact that like in a hospital, if there's no cause of death that like something weird happens, if you see cardiac arrest as the cause of death, okay. I mean, honestly, everything cardiac arrest is the cause of death, right? Cause your heart stops and you die. So whatever caused that to happen, you can, but are you dead when your heart's dead or are you dead when your brain's dead? Uh, your brain, but they're not going to rule. You can't say it's brain death because you have to have an actual diagnosis of brain death. Gotcha. That's different. You can, um, you, you can't objectively diagnose brain death with, with a stethoscope in the moment. And by looking at someone with a, you know, cardiac death, you're, there's no pulse. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, so almost same, same here we have, um, a ruling of cause of death as asphyxia. So, um, you know, obviously that's suffocation, smothering, strangulation, anything with lacks of oxygen, lack of oxygen. So she also said it's possible that Felicia died from hypothermia. Well, she was floating in a river in Baltimore in December. So I just feel like there's a lot of, it could have been X, Y, Z, all of it. Right. So the jury saw a video. This is where it gets rough. Keep in mind though, look, I'm telling you, and I don't want to go down that rant again, Kids, boys and girls, and I know for a fact girls, sometimes do things they're not always comfortable with. So just because they're making a choice doesn't mean they're sound in this decision. They can find themselves in predicaments and also be having a good time, but feel uncomfortable with how things are going. That can happen. And it sounds like she did tell the neighbor back home that Michael was making her feel uncomfortable. Now, did she still enjoy his attention? And still enjoy seeing her sister and hanging out there and kind of took the good with the bad. It sounds like it, but, huh? Yeah, no, I mean, I get it. I, like, you know what I mean? I, I mean, that, and that's why, I mean, I, I don't know, man. Like, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want to go down any of the rants, but I mean, like, it's, that's a parental issue. I mean, if, if you know that, like, if your kid is getting a tattoo without your permission, like, let's say that's how that happened. I mean, I don't think any good parent is letting their kid at 16 get a tattoo. Sorry. Like have the discipline to wait two years. Like you really want it. Then you'll really want it in two years and you can wait till two years. Just like you can't drive a car until you're 16. I don't care if you know how to drive it at 13, you got to wait three years. So like if this girl already got a rose tattoo and now mom is saying like, I trust you to go here and not make any mistakes. Eh, then you know, she that, might not have known about that. Look, I had, I was 18 when I got my first one and still didn't tell my mother for, if you're listening to mom, you know, the story, but you know, she, <laughs> she's the one who saw it on me and didn't, wasn't happy about it. So like, it, you know, it's, you know, who, who knows, who knows? I, I, I know who knows, but like, ah, dude, and, and I mean, it sounds like this guy murdered her, right? Like, see, I'm, I'm sorry, but Michael did I always it. say that we're going to, uh, engaged chats at the end, but silly Mander just said, we did way worse things at 16 and my parents were amazing parents and didn't know everything teenagers do until after or years later or never. Yeah, that's right? true, but you're not hiding a fucking rose tattoo on your ankle from your parents for. Do you think that the years? rose tattoo is the worst thing that could have happened? Like this whole thing is open and shut because of this tattoo <laughs> on her leg. No, but what I'm saying is if she does that behind her parents back and they still let her go to Baltimore for two weeks to go to a party house and drink, like, well, who yeah, knows when that happened? Have... Like, 
maybe like okay so they make one choice that you don't like and now now we're not you know we're, i'm we're not saying i don't like it i'm just saying scale. like that's why you have to be extra careful you have to be extra diligent so shit like this doesn't happen you got to be more focused you got to be like more in tune you got to jump on the myspaces in the facebooks and look at the house i mean if everybody knows via social media this is a party house and the parents should know about it I mean, like it sucks. It sucks that you know. I hope I don't make that mistake, but I, 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 I could make that mistake. Either. You know, but I mean, you know, everybody's goal should be to not make that mistake. Of course, but but keep in mind, you've got to separate what's happening in Baltimore. Think about what was happening outside of this tattoo. Think about what's happening in North Carolina. As far as her mother was concerned, this child was a an athlete, a high school athlete, graduating early, accepted into college had a social butterfly, had great reviews from her, t her teacher said amazing things to her. You know, like that's not, that's not, you know, the, I don't call that bad parenting. I don't think just because it was a single mom, it was bad parenting. You know what I'm saying? Like she seems like she was doing all the right things at home. I Kids mean, can do that. I get it, but they can do like both said, is what I'm trying to say. Like I said, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, I'm not, it's, it sucks, but shit dude like i mean i hope that i would know that my daughter is texting a 26 year old my other daughter's boyfriend maybe you wouldn't because maybe that happened when she was in baltimore those 500 texts yeah do you know how fast a 16 year old will text <laughs> i guess but i mean you back in 2010 I mean? you still had to pay for that shit that's expensive maybe she was texting after nine <laughs> was that a thing i don't know yeah i just remember yes. like getting mad at ashley when i was i remember my mother marching me to well not in 2010 but way prior to that to at&t to try to settle up a bill i was probably 16 six, seven, yeah, i was probably 16 yeah i mean i don't know i i, I used to get mad then at it was ashley harder then. to text because you had to go through the numbers did, 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 yeah, yeah. Like, i mean and ashley was really 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 good at that but, i was you know. too but hey, listen, like I mean, Ashley could have been a victim, dude. She was doing crazy shit at so I know shit that I was doing at 16 or 17. All right. So let's move forward. So, real quick, first trial. Um, I say first trial for a reason. There's not just one okay. Michael Johnson. Multiple okay. trials. So multiple trials. Um, we talked about how the Emmy said the cause of death was asphyxia. Also, you can't rule out hypothermia. So the jury saw a video. This is where it gets pretty gross. Um, just I no longer want to talk about her choices okay. or what's happening. Um, there's a video that shows Dina, Felicia, Michael, and then the teenage brother cousin, um, like streaking, like leaving mm -hmm. the apartment going, there's like a school nearby and like streaking um, so. and engaging in quote, naked touching. There's a video that shows Michael kind of reaching for Felicia and she does a thing where she giggles and pushes his hand away. Now I think for, if you don't know <laughs> the giggle and the hand push is not an invitation. That's an, I'm uncomfortable. I also don't want to piss you off. I also want to be cool in this moment and be present here, but I don't want what you're doing. That's, I think a lot of women would be. Um, why, she, why does her 23 year old sister allow her to be naked in front of her 26 year old? Her 27 oh, year old man. sister. Exactly. So that's a huge part of this problem as well. Why was she okay with any of this? The sister, the older sister. 
God, what a dirtbag of a sister. Um, so it's gross. Okay, so let's move forward from that. Uh, Dina then admitted that she had given her younger sister alcohol, and they were both intoxicated on that video. She said she later saw Johnson or Michael make a sexual advance toward Felicia. Um, she confronted them. And Felicia said she didn't want anything to do with him in that way. And he brushed it off as though it was nothing. Um, we talk about the amount of of sex change. And I said sex change. The text exchange, excuse me. Mm. Um, ugh. So it says the most critical witness was James McRae. So James is actually a friend of Michael. He was incarcerated on several different charges unrelated to this incident. Uh, he came forward, so he's the reason this first trial is thrown out, or the idea of him, all right? So he comes forward to say that Michael had called him for help in disposing of Felicia's body when this happened. He said that Michael said he had sexually assaulted her, and when she wouldn't stop crying, he strangled her. He said, I was close, and he needed assistance real quick. He had an ex-girlfriend at the home, so he had to make moves real quick. Um, he said he told Michael to turn his cell phone off to make sure his whereabouts could not be tracked, to dump the body in water so that DNA evidence would be destroyed. So he's actually saying things. He said this stuff at the time before this information was released. So he's saying oh, things that he wouldn't shit. know unless this is a conversation that they had. Um, Michael's phone, by the way, was turned off during this time. Uh, when he missed Dina's call, there was a time period when his phone was off. Um, but during the cross, the, uh, James McRae said that he believed the murder occurred before Christmas. So this is where it gets weird. So he had all this very specific information, but then his information gets misconstrued and like, now it's not super accurate. So then he starts saying things like he thinks the murder happened before Christmas, but she disappeared three days after Christmas. And that's not true because she was there with them he couldn't remember the correct floor the apartment was located on even though it was a basement apartment <laughs> things like that so it's like he had all this very accurate and specific information but couldn't get the big stuff right so because of this <clears throat> um on january 13th or january of 2013 this trial began the first trial um the sexual video etc the there's a there's a time when Michael is kissing Dina in that video, but he's looking over oh. at Felicia. Who's videoing and, this? And Felicia, there's a there's another person at some point who came forward saying that he was videoing. Felicia, there was no actual sex on this video, but it is just super bad, just naked touching stuff, but not no sexual acts took place. So during this time. The teenager that's related to Michael is trying to like kiss on Felicia. She's kind of not, she's not leaving the situation, but she's obviously not like just really in it to win it over here. Okay. But Michael is looking at her as he's touching Ooh. Dina. So the, the theory from prosecute from the prosecution is that he essentially became um, fixated on Felicia um, their case is built upon the fact that when she thwarts his advancements, he gets pissed and can't handle it. So um, there's another picture of Felicia there. That's Michael Johnson. Real winner, this guy. This is an example of a picture taken from MySpace that shows when people would come 
someone clearly brought a baby, but we have booze. Yeah, you know what? So this is what I said at the beginning of the show, right? They always start off with how smart people were, and they'll never tell you how dumb they were or they're the smart. They're always gonna like try to embellish like the story. This is a fucking trap house. This is a trap house. This is this is a hundred percent a trap house. Like this is a disgusting house where disgusting shit goes on because you don't just escalate from just having like 15 and 16 year olds over to all the way doing like naked streaking in the course of a one week time. Like this is like, this is learned behavior. This is behavior that goes on in that house all the time. And everybody knows it. I agree with that, but please remember this. Sounds like in that house, there was a lot of partying all the time. I, I completely agree with you there. Remember what's going on here, though, is that Felicia doesn't live there. She lives all the way down in North Carolina the whole all the time. She's just recently spent a day at like once or twice at all in Baltimore until this chunk of time when she said she had really had fun with Dina and wanted to hang out with her sister again. Mom, can I go for a week or so over Christmas break? She hasn't been staying there. She hasn't been spending that much time there with them. I think all of this stuff was going on there. And if I were to assume, if I were to bet, I bet the first few days of doing that was a little bit fun for her because it was different. She wasn't sure. under the strain of an academic pressure and teachers she, and things. Was this the first time she ever went to Dina's house? It wasn't the first time she ever went, but it was the first time she stayed for an extended period of time. She had never been there for longer than a day or two tops at all. And in fact, that's why the mom did do what you said. The mom called Dina. The mom talked to her. I don't want... You know, you're 20 something years old. I don't want alcohol. I don't want drugs. I don't want men in and out of this house. Who's going to be there? And Dina said, Me, my boyfriend Michael, and this teenager. Mom says, Well, okay. Like she did what she could do in that. She didn't have to let her go. You're right. But the child had right. no reason not to go. This was her sister. They were, I think the mom was happy that they were forming a bond. And I'm telling you, I think the first two or three days, Felicia probably got in over her head because she was enjoying something different than home. Like it, it wasn't mom down her throat about her grades. And, you know, it was. I mean, this dude, like the chin these strap, things like, can happen without, like fucking yeah, but I mean, these things can happen without her just being an idiot. Like you can just find yourself in situations and especially at that age where yeah, something that sounds is, like, you, 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 man, that's disgusting. I mean, that's the shit that like, you know, low income poverty, like this is like, this is something cool, right? Like let's take a baby and put a baby in somebody else's apartment and surround it by crap like that. Like, let's not wait for it to go to sleep and then do it. Like, let's just put it right here on the floor. Yeah. Enough. That's, I enough agree. So. It's disgusting. What's that? Yeah, I agree. That's, you know, gross. it's like, like, you know, and, and, I but I used to deal with it. that as a cup all the time. Like you would go to these houses and you're just like, why are there beer cans in the crib? Or like, why is there a 15 year old girl over here playing Nintendo and you guys are running lines of Coke off the table? Like, I mean, it's just, Pisses yeah. me off. Yeah, the twenty-seven-year-old sister, like at twenty-seven. Come on, dude. Like you're not still doing this at twenty-seven. Mm -mm. When she was a pharmacy tech, like in midwifery school, like going to school to be a midwife or or aspire to me. Like it's like she had something going for. Her. It's not, you know what I mean? It's allegedly, um, allegedly. Like I mean, maybe she wanted to be a midwife, but I, you know, the way yeah. the news like tells. Them I know too. that's true, but she was a pharmacy tech. I'm just saying, like in all accounts, she seemed to like. In, in like had her foot in and out of having it together um all right so so that's the video i'm going to try to talk quicker now it's already 9 15 so we we talked about the guy who uh 
was incarcerated. So they actually have a lot of record of the jail, the jail conversations because Michael was pretty loose with his verbiage and his words to this guy when this guy was in prison, not thinking about the fact that since he's in prison, everything is recorded. So Michael's not the smartest, you know, the sharpest tool in the shed here. He skipped third grade though. He did not. (laughs) He did not. So defense, the defense stated that this is an unreliable witness. Again, remember after saying all this other stuff, then he couldn't remember where the apartment was and all this, whatever. So I don't know if he changed his mind at the last minute. Um, Johnson was actually, Michael Johnson was acquitted of the first degree murder charge, but he was convicted on the second, on second degree murder for in this, mm. excuse me, in this first trial later defense stated that the prosecution tried to bolster the witnesses credibility. They tried to make him seem, you know, more reliable than he was, um, during closing statements, the circuit court granted a motion for a new trial. They considered it a Brady violation. Uh, that's when like the prosecution doesn't, uh, if there's something that could help the defendant, the prosecution isn't open with that. Or if the defendant maybe couldn't be charged with a higher charge, they still go for it. Um, these, there's kind of a whole variety of things that can be that can be clumped into the Brady violation. But that's what they're saying. So the circuit court did grant the motion for the new trial. So moving forward, um, second trial, new trial date is set. They're trying to avoid double jeopardy. Double jeopardy is a gray one too. Uh, it depends on how far into the case you got initially. It depends on how much a jury was swayed initially, how uh, quite a few things, whether or not you can call it double jeopardy. So they're trying to avoid that. They have the second trial in place. Uh, but the prosecutors twice played portions of recordings from wiretaps that weren't supposed to be played to the jury. Uh, now the second trial is ruled a mistrial. At one point, the word acquittal was thrown out, but it was just, it was deemed a mistrial before it was deemed acquitted. And that matters because for it to be double jeopardy that it would have to be acquitted, but it was, since it was deemed a mistrial, we can, prosecution can go on and try for a third trial now. All right. So that's, Two, we're talking about now years have gone by. She she died in 2010. She was recovered in 2012 in April. Now we're moving to 2018. All right. Is he like out on the streets? Or no, he he's in, in and out. He's in and out of jail during this. The, I think he spent two or three years like, total. Do we know what this jail. picture is about? Yeah. So essentially or initially when he was first, I think that should be his initial mugshot when they arrested him days after her body was found they say yeah. that he fled uh, oh, okay yeah oh gosh so he fled and gets his ass whooped by the cops and mm-hmm. wow mm-hmm. so we know this guy did it it's i so let's keep going so okay. finally in march 2018 excuse, yeah 2018 the third trial starts the judge determines that there's not enough to convict him uh, and the trial is thrown out because at this point we have a body. We don't have a, a cause of death other than potential asphyxiation. We don't have DNA. We don't have everything is circumstantial or hearsay. Like 
Right. Yeah, the guy looks like the guy, but we really have nothing. So the judge convicts him. Now, what we don't, what we also have that I didn't have the time to pull up. I apologize, guys, but try to find it. Um, there's phone conversations between Michael and I believe his brother, a different, not little cousin brother that was at the apartment. Yeah, that's my cousin. Where he calls after they find her body. He calls and you hear him, you know, when you can hear someone just almost thinking out loud, like his wheels are turning right. as he's talking right. and he's saying, he's sounding like the weight of the world is on his shoulders. He's saying, um, like, man, I'm done. I'm done. My life's over. It's done. And this guy's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, yeah. man, they got her. Like, they're going to find my DNA. I'm done. I'm done. And I mean, this is his audio. They wiretapped him. And so um, he's saying, again, his buddy or his brother, whoever is saying like, you know, I don't like, why are you talking like that, man? But then he also concocts a story. So like while he's worried about what's going to happen to him, he's like trying to set himself up with a safe way out. So he was like, no, man, like me and Dana and Felicia, man, we were just like, um, just kind of horsing around like pillow fight and being silly around the apartment. And like, she scratched me one time, like she didn't mean to, but she scratched me. So they're going to find my DNA under her fingernails. And then he would say things like, man, I'm just going to go on to Brazil. I thought it was Belize earlier, but it was Brazil. And he specifically said out loud, like he didn't say extradition treaty, but when he was saying this, like they can't, like the United States can't get me back. If I go to Brazil, I guess he thought that there is an extradition or that there was not, an extradition treaty with Brazil wrong. There is, by the way, had he fled to Brazil, we could still get him back. Um, but he's already planning to, to go like he's a flight risk. He's wanting to go out of the country. He's saying his life is over. He's also saying like, Oh, but you know, if they find my DNA, it's because we were just, we we're just playing. Yeah. They're probably going to find it, Tell but if they do, it's because we were playing. Tell me. Six. So, that's why I say that, um, every time you and I've ever had a pillow fight, you always scratch me. So, Guys, if my DNA is under her fingernails, it's it's because we've had a pillow fight before. Gross. So, <laughs> she was wearing her digital NFT bra. I can't so. even imagine how like um. <laughs> I just I didn't throw in a pillow. I was like, make it sound so awkward, like so gross. But like, you know, but that's why I say this is still unsolved because he was. No one's ever been convicted. I mean, there's no one else that's been charged with this. Um. And this guy's out? Is this guy out, out on the streets? He's out, out, out. This was the last trial was in 2018. Man. Well, OJ Simpson action here. Well, OJ Simpson oh, for us. Rough. And he just but. looks like a sleaze, though, doesn't he? He just looks like a fucking lying little sleaze. Like, he looks like a weasel, man. He does look like a weasel. I'll looks like a little there. weasel, dude. Cheating on his girl. With a fucking 16-year-old. He's messing around with a 16-year-old girl. Like, I can't. That's gross. Gosh, dude. At least he got his ass whooped by the cops, though. It's a nice little shiner. Actually, that where his eye is at, it looks like a badge scraped him. That's what that looks like. I've, I've given yeah. that mark to a few criminals. Um, um, Man, what a crazy guys, story, though. Ooh. Like, I hope that guy gets yeah. his comeuppance, man. I hope. I hope some street justice finds him. He's got them lines, though. Drew Breezy's right, man. He's got those lines cut into his hair. That looks good. 
Uh, if you want a pillow like fight, I wanted to be with your new ghost bed pillow, by the way. Uh, the website's up, guys. Ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. Um, I'll do a big giant ad read tomorrow uh, for them, but uh, we're all about yeah, them. They're back on for bad, season baby. three. Ghostbed's back. Valentine's Day back. I got a big Ghostbed thing tomorrow for last call. So. Yeah. Um, well, you guys, so we did. Um, I've told you before, if you listen to the show, I loathe reels with all of my life. So I did one, but we are pushing for reviews. I don't remember what it was, but Eric promised us something. If we could get 100 reviews in 10 days and tomorrow is the 10th day. So if you've not gone. Oh, to let's iTunes, just carry it to like, let's carry it through. Like Monday morning is when I'm going to go and check because it takes Look, like 24 hours. This. Huh? It takes like 24 hours to update. So if they go in tonight, those aren't going to post until, I mean, if they have through tomorrow, which tomorrow's Wednesday, then those probably won't post. Some of them won't post till Friday morning. So like, let's just say like, just to be safe, I will count up the votes on Monday. So whatever's I in there by Monday, that's what we're going to In do. my sunroom with chickens and a brooder just to get the reel in in time. Well, I'm, it's fine. Like, that's great. That's great. But, you know, tomorrow is the deadline, but I can't physically count them tomorrow. I won't be able to count them till Monday because sometimes they don't post for 24 hours. Well, that's what an irresponsible parent says, because if the deadline is tomorrow, the deadline is tomorrow. Yeah, the deadline is tomorrow. However, the teacher won't be grading them until Monday. So there's still a chance to slide it in there Monday morning. All right. Well, leave a, rem- a review. Like us. <laughs> like us. Like us. Please like us. Yeah, I can't believe this fucking shit bags out on the streets, man. Uh, my review is from Jim Terry. Um, do you know what else, though, I noticed with this death? Um, is that uh, they did the stereotypical put angel wings on her. I don't know. Don't, why that's no, no, no. Don't talk about it. They do that. I don't understand why that's, that's, that's the thing. When I die, please don't airbrush angel wings onto me. I don't want that. I don't want that. <sighs> onto a t-shirt. I don't know. Once you took my makeup bag from me on accident that time and <laughs> We're already an hour out of town, and when you told me where you left it, I thought it was the grocery store, but it was a roadside memorial, and I had to dig through roadside memorial flowers to get it. Yeah, it was a Mexican roadside memorial, too, so it had lots of candles and all the shit. Yeah, it was a lot of stuff. You will probably get angel wings spray painted or airbrushed <laughs> just for that. Oh, Dude, I can already tell Like my kids are such assholes that they will make me pay. They sh- As they should. They will make me All right. Pay. You guys, it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. It's been great. Yeah, hey, and call and leave a uh, leave a voicemail for Com Center. That's going to be Thursday night at eight seven Central with uh, Jonathan and Drew. And it's uh, what is it, guys? Y'all are in the chats. Eight four four Com nine one one. Is that it? Mm, Drew, I don't, I don't even know your phone number. Drew said he's going to wear the airbrush shirt to your funeral. Drew, hey, <laughs> thank you, Abby. Let's do that for the meetup. Let's do like airbrush. <laughs> like, dude, oh, it's right. so oh, tacky, man. I do. I used. It's so tacky. Okay, it's eight four eight com nine one one. So that's C O M M nine one one. Um, give them a call. Leave them a voicemail, and they, if you're, if you do a good job, they'll play it on the show on Thursday. 
Sounds good, man. And we like, so like, let's all do airbrush t-shirts, but give each other nicknames so that we can air stencil our nicknames onto the shirts too. Okay. So. And if you, if you come to the meetup, don't be like, Hey, I'm Susan or I'm. Yeah, because we won't know Timothy. who we are. We We've had that like, happen before. Yeah. Like, say say whatever this name is. Here your screen name is to. like, yo, I'm Honey Badger 6424. Now I'll be like, oh, like, Honey hey, Badger. But if you're like, dude, yeah. it's me. It's me. Craig. And I'm like, I don't know. What calling you, Hydro like, Man. Dude, are you serious? Come on. I'm Mel 6969. I'm like, oh, well, why didn't you say you were Mel 6969? I would have never have known that your real name in life was Craig. Yeah, it was poor Hydro. We were like, hey, guy, what you doing? He's like, hey. And we're like, hey. What you, He's like, I'm you Chris. And I was like, hang out. And he's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, Hydro? And we're like, oh, dang. We oh, I was like, ah, I know Hydro. You're way older than I thought you were going to be. I thought you were going to be 16 with the rose tattoo on your I ankle. actually think you did say something like that. I said those exact words. You seem like a type, though, that had a rose tattoo when you were 16. I didn't. See? I still don't. You don't? I thought you had a rose tattoo. Mm-mm. Oh. No. I got a sea turtle tattoo. I do too. <laughs> when did you get a sea turtle tattoo? When did you get a sea turtle tattoo? That's the one. I got that one to cover up the one I got when I was 18. <laughs> Have I seen the sea turtle one? Maybe at the pool. Oh. I didn't know you had a sea turtle. It's tiny. It's teeny oh. tiny. That's what she said. I don't pay mm. attention. I don't pay attention. I don't trust anybody with a rose tattoo, though. Or a Black Panther tattoo. How many people do like, you know have a Black Panther tattoo? Oh, um, like fucking, I could probably name, off the top of my head, I could probably name Was it Lil' Kim that right had now. the like claws on her like chest? Yeah, dude, that Black Panther tattoo is super popular. True, stop. Super popular. So many people have that. What what is it? What does it signify? What are you talking about? I don't know. It's it's like it's always like in this position too. It's always like climbing something position. No, like climbing. I'll send you a pic. I know. I know. I know. I can name five people right this second that have it. I don't think I, I don't know anyone with that. Oh, I that's what I was saying. Like, is it a certain like you know in in the service in the whatever? Like, is there a certain no. like group of people? Um, no, I mean, most of them are either black or Hispanic for the tattoo. Yeah. And the one chick she's white, but she's, okay. she's not really into white people per okay. se. She only likes black people, but she has that tattoo. I mean, data, like she likes white people, but she only dates black. No, people. I understand what you're saying. Um, although her first husband was, was Mexican and she's been all black from there. Uh, but she hasn't remarried. She just dated a bunch. Why is this no what we're talking about right now? No Asians. Because she had a uh, Black Panther tattoo. Okay. Okay. So. Uh. <laughs> she did not get a rose when she was 16. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you what, though. Like, and listen, my kids might, like, especially Duke, he might get a tattoo. Though he says right now that he doesn't want any. Um, but I could see them doing something like that, but I'm not going to tolerate it. Like, I mean, I'm not going to kick them out of the house or anything. But yeah, like, what are you going to do about it? I'm going to call him an idiot, and then and I'm going to tell him, like, dude, I told you not to do it. Okay. And if this is and what you're going to do while you're 
out with your friends, then you're not going out with your friends anymore because I can't trust you. I can't trust you to make halfway decent decisions. So guess what? You've lost that privilege. You're not, I mean, if you want to, you can sneak out and get a ride with your friends, but I'm not giving you a car. Here's what, let me say this. I'm going to say my piece. I think that you are a great dad and I think that you have all the right ideas. I will say, let them become at least one of them. Let teenage years get in there. And then I was a teenager. I see what my dad did. My dad did. I was a teenager too. Your parents didn't tolerate it. No, but I'll tell you what, I found a way. Yeah, I know you did, but it doesn't matter. They still didn't tolerate it. And so no. you're always living under that fear, which made you make better decisions because you were like, ah. no, I agree with that. I agree. With it's that. when they start I'm letting not... you do shit. It's like when they start letting you do stuff, then that's when you, you okay. know, like give well, an inch, take a mile. You. Listen, I agree with you there. I don't, it's not that I allow the things. I'm just saying the things that I would have thought my kid wouldn't, even, my kid's not doing anything wrong or bad, but even just the stuff he says or the way he grumbles about like things that I just wouldn't have expected. Dude, getting a like, tattoo is a lot things. worse than fucking grumbling. No, I'm just shit. saying like that's a life decision. It's with your oldest at the age, your oldest is at now, give it a minute before you think the kids are going to do this or that or not. Say he's going to do it or not. Does anybody agree with me in the chat? Somebody not going to tolerate it. I don't care what he does. He can do whatever he wants. I mean, he's going to do whatever he wants, but I mean, I'm not going to talk. Like I said, be like my dad. My dad had a rule, dude. If you're not home by 11 o'clock, don't come home because the doors are locked. So, you know, and sure as shit, dude, you'd come home, the door would be locked and you'd knock on the door and you'd be like, fuck, I am fucked. So what did you you do? And you were fucked. What did you do? The door. What, I'm not going to just stay out all night. Knock so on the door, do? wake him up. Then I'd be fucked. And then guess what? I made sure I, you know, you only fuck up once or maybe twice, maybe twice. Depends on, you know, how much trouble I got in the first time. And then it was always like, dude, I got to be on by 11 o'clock because like that mu- he is not going to unlock that door and I'm not sleeping on the porch. It's scary out here in the swamps of Florida. Casey Anthony could be anywhere. So I didn't do yeah, it. Some, Teresa and Abby are backing me up. Thank you. They can. I'll, I'll tell you this. Like I remember the first time I kissed a girl. It's a funny story, and we'll go on this. One. I kissed a girl. Oh, um, you've heard this story? I don't, uh, actually, I think that I have. I I, I was being silly when I made the so face. I kissed the girl once, and then I came home, and I was like freaking out. I was in like seventh grade. And this is in the nineties. So I kissed the girl. And well, it was truth or dare. And they dared her to kiss me. And she leaned over and like, I went in for a peck, but she like swallowed my face. And, um, and so I was like in shock, but I went home and I was scared that I had AIDS because everybody, like everything could have given you AIDS back in the nineties. Like everybody was AIDS, AIDS, AIDS. You're all going to die of AIDS. So I was like, Hey dad, um, can you get AIDS if you kiss a girl? He's like, do you kiss a girl? I was like, yes, sir. And he's like, then yeah, you could. And I was like, what do I do? And he was like, true. I don't know. It's up to you, man. Figure it out. And I was like, but do you think I could have AIDS? He's like, you could. I was like, fuck, man. Dude, I didn't kiss another girl until I was in like 10th grade. I was scared that I had AIDS. I still to this day don't like kissing girls because I don't want to get AIDS. That's why I'm like very particular about who I kiss these days. True said you memorialize the moment with a large sea turtle under your arm. <laughs> no, but I did lose my virginity in the sea turtle end. I know. We that's the whole reason. <laughs> that was a terrible show. 
All right, man. That's too much. I got to go. All right. We're out of here. But it was a good show. You guys do leave a review. Uh, Call 848-COM-911 to leave a voicemail for Jonathan and Drew for the Thursday Night Com Center show. I'm looking forward to it. Last week was amazing. Actually, it was my, I say that so far, I think, was that y'all's third? But it was my my favorite one yet. Um, yeah, it's definitely, uh, the show's getting good. So. It's fantastic. The content's amazing, too, and I, yeah. I enjoy what they have to say in terms of a breakdown from dispatch and law enforcement and all of that, all that good stuff um, with just the human component. Yeah, uh, I do not kiss anybody but my wife. It was all a joke. I don't fucking, I mean, just my wife. The, yeah, we'll be the fourth. You've had three. That's right. Um, not not me. She's talking about comm center. I'm only yeah two. Well, I, don't, I don't even know what you're saying. I'm just promoting our show currently. And was like, what about your wife? Exclamation point. I'm like, dude, it was a joke. Like, oh, just when Eric speaks, y'all just smile and hit the like button. You don't have to actually retain the information or believe it to be fact. Hey, <laughs> sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you ever had balding legs? <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, all right, y'all. Time. See ya. All right. Good night, y'all. <laughs>